Hey, St. John. Welcome to the Post-Sermon Podcast. I am Deaconess Delia, and with me today is Pastor Adam. Hey, Deaconess. How are you? I'm doing okay. How are you? Doing well. We are discussing your sermon from this past Sunday. So what was the text that you preached on? I preached on the Old Testament reading, which was from 2 Samuel chapter 22, and it's a smattering of verses uh, from a song that David composed speaking of how the Lord has delivered him from the hand of all his enemies and from the hand of Saul. And so just a a few verses in the middle there of this uh, longer song. Why do you think they picked those specific verses? Uh, That's a great question. I think it's because uh, the folks putting together the the lectionary are trying to help out anyone who's going to preach on the gospel reading, which was Luke 16. And you have the parable of the dishonest manager or the shrewd manager where Jesus commends this guy for his shrewdness. And especially a way to handle the the Hebrew is in verse 27. uh, The ESV says, With the purified you deal purely, and with the crooked you make yourself seem torturous. And one way to kind of render that in the Hebrew is, With the crooked you show yourself to be shrewd. (laughs) And so my guess is uh, the lectionary folks are trying to uh, help out the uh, anyone who's trying to preach in the Old Testament reading. Well, maybe... Maybe this uh, song of David might help navigate, you know, it's a tough parable for sure. Yeah, that makes sense. Are these the same readings in the three-year lectionary as well? No, I don't think we do this uh, reading from Second Samuel 22. The, the Luke 16 comes up um, in the three-year. Uh, we actually had that last year. Okay. Uh, but no, I don't, I don't think I've preached on this. Uh, I don't think I've seen this Samuel reading come up before. What is the central teaching of your sermon? God has acted to rescue his faithful people and grant blessing upon blessing to them. So in your sermon, you started off talking about the music of the church, right? That part of Olivia's job is she practices and practices and practices. And so you, as well as the rest of the staff, we get to hear this music every day. And so I guess that kind of, did you start seeing a connection between the music and that central teaching that you wanted to bring out in your sermon? Well, I guess for me, the idea that arose of bringing in uh, how in the church offices we can hear the music being practiced throughout the week is in the words of this song from David, especially the verses we had to deal with, uh, listening to the songs of God have a different sort of reaction uh, from people. And so even just that verse I brought up there, you know, with the purified, he shows you pure and with the crooked, right? What does it say here again? In the ESV, with a crooked, you make yourself seem torturous. Um, or I, I kind of rendered it, I wrote the crooked, you speak foolishly to them. Um, now I also mentioned the shrewdness. And so there are times when we hear the songs of God or the promises of God, and it just doesn't sit well with us. And there are times when we do hear, and it does sit well with us. And that, so I was just thinking about just our, our places, sinners and saints. But instead, I kind of went more broadly. And uh, when we gather together for worship, God's promises and actions are true. I mean, David is singing of the finality of God has rescued me from my enemies. And we can speak so confidently to as Christians of this, of the Lord is defeating sin, death, and the devil. And yet, even in our reality, in our experiences, it doesn't always feel like that. And I was just trying to think of a way to connect that to us as hearers. And since it's a song of David, why don't we think about our music and song in church? And that that was kind of the, the web of connections and, thoughts, I guess. Yeah, that's really cool. I think that definitely resonates with a lot of us that 
we'll hear songs, whether they're in church or, you know, on the radio or whatnot. And sometimes they do really resonate with us and then other times they don't. So I, yeah, I can see what you mean about hearing the words of God and it like affects us differently. Right, right. And just, uh, I mean, God's truths are certainly true and they're harder to hear or harder to see. Right, you know, our, our faith is not yet sight, right? We haven't had the resurrection of the body. The Lord Jesus hasn't returned. And it in the life of the Christian, we are we are always kind of in ebb and flow between, you know, it resonates more and it doesn't. And there are times when it's easier to pray the Lord's Prayer, you know, thy will be done, and there are times when it's not. And um, I guess that's what I was trying to bring to the fore uh, through this idea of our singing. When you read through the Psalms, there are times where the Psalms just kind of capitulate back and forth in these states of, God, where have you been? You've forsaken me. What are you doing? And then you have something like Second Samuel 22, and I bring up the Psalms because it's actually Psalm 18, right? The song that David wrote here in Second Samuel, uh, whoever put together the Psalms said, yeah, we'll add this to our hymnal of the, of the Bible, right? We'll make this Psalm 18. And you have this song of deliverance and the Lord's faithfulness, and he's rescued his people. But there are also other psalms that call out God of, where are you? And uh, that's just part of the reality of the Christian life is this kind of dual experience where they're singing to God. So what is your hope for us that we can remember after hearing the sermon, like during during our weeks? Uh, to come out of the sermon, my hope was that my hearers would continue to sing, uh, regardless if the songs uh, match their present reality and situation or not. And to trust that the words that we sing aren't just, they're not just filler, they're not just nice things. We sing of the true promises and work of our God always. And, and, to, and to trust in that work that we're doing is, we sing in the God who is one. It is really cool that the songs we sing are reflective of the songs that have always been sung in the church. And we have this example of, David's song, which we get twice in scripture, right? Second Samuel and then Psalm 18, right. which is really cool. I guess that shows the importance of it. Uh, but then also, I believe you'd mentioned in your sermon, Hannah's song as well. Is there a connection there between Hannah and da- David's song? Yeah, and that was, I think, what allowed me to make a better connection in my sermon is when you look at the books of First and Second Samuel, they're originally just the book of Samuel. You open up your Hebrew Bible, it just says Samuel. Uh, same thing with kings and, and so on. Why did they divide them up? I don't know. But, you know, these things happen. Maybe it just helps uh, navigate the books more easily. But it's good to remember that these were one book, and if they are, I mean, the author has Hannah's song prominently at the beginning. You have David's song prominently at the end. And there's other music and poetry and whatnot throughout the book, but um, I just like the idea of, you begin with the and end with these songs that have some similar themes and ideas, and all throughout the story and everything that is as good and bad and and all the above that takes place, the Lord God is at work, and He's bringing about His promises. He's rescuing His people. I mean, we get the establishment of the the Davidic monarchy, and the promise that there will always be an heir of David on the throne, and um, just beautiful promises of of Christmas, right? That He Jesus is going to be the He's the Son of David. He's the Prince of Peace. Uh, we can see all that, even with everything else that is not good that happens between those songs. 
I'd like to back up and talk a little bit more about Hannah's song. Because sure. we see the text of David's song, 2 Samuel 22, or Psalm 18. Um, and you're mentioning how there are similar themes. Can you just elaborate on Hannah's words in her song? Uh, yeah, I can lightly speak to it. And so we have, um, this is First Samuel chapter 2. And we have the story of Hannah, who is barren. So this was before she was blessed with child? No, so by this point, uh, Samuel has been born, and uh, part of the promise was to hand him over to the Lord and in service to the Lord in the temple, and uh, this is when this takes place, and you get Hannah's prayer that follows up here. And so this um, Hannah who is barren, and yet she hands over her child and uh, her, her prayer and singing to and of the Lord and his work and promises is, is certainly something to behold. I did have a thought in the sermon, Deaconess. There was a lot of different ways to, I guess, approach this, and maybe that's future sermons here. But I thought about even just doing a a contrast between just the character of Hannah and the character of David. And it kind of almost kind of how they stand as kind of pillars on either end of the book. And how we look at these examples of of saints. Um, There are folks that will connect Hannah's song to Mary's Magnificat in Luke 1. But even again within the book of Samuel, you know, there are some there are some connections to be made between the two. Uh, one commentator I was looking at that was making this point was saying how David's song here in Second Samuel twenty two or Psalm eighteen it echoes Hannah's song, and it helps bind together the book of Samuel. And through the book, you see God's gracious salvation through His anointed one. And while the author of Samuel does not often tell the reader how God is involved in the events. He relates, these two songs alert us as readers that in everything that happens in this book, God is the one who rescues his faithful people. And so you'll see some similar ideas with the verses uh, that, that speak of this. I love this part of scripture and just how like God gives her, she's barren, she's asking for a child, God gives her a child, and then what does she do? She hands him over to God. Yeah. And then it's just really cool because that's like what happens when a child's baptized. We are like entrusted this child and then we hand over this child to God in our baptism in their in their baptism. So it's just really cool the similarities. But it's kind of going off topic. No, I, I don't think it's going off topic. We can definitely make baptismal connections that, you know, we, we hand over these children to the Lord and, and into Right. His I don't think it's far fetched, right? No, no. It. But it's also it's not just like, oh, Hannah says the exact same things that David is saying and the songs are just copy and paste. They're not. Um, Hannah is speaking from her situation um, and her dealing with uh, the Lord's uh, care and blessing and her suffering. David is speaking from his perspective of the Lord's care and blessing and suffering. And so, of course, you're going to have similar themes, but they're also navigating the faith and uh, following the Lord um, in their context. I think that just better shows this idea of, as the church, we all come together from our different weeks and whatever has happened. And while we may have different peculiarities and this situation versus that and whatever else, there is still this unity we have of our God who is at work in our lives. Our God has been at work in the lives of his saints for all generations. And this God is Father, Son, and Spirit for us. Yeah, no, I love that. I think that definitely makes sense. We're going to have weeks where it's a lot easier to sing the songs of the church, praising God and recognizing his promises. Um, And then weeks 
where it's really hard to do that. Um, but his promises still remain true and our good and bad weeks, we still are dependent on God and still need him. So I don't know. Yeah, absolutely. And I think this starts to get over to the, even as part of our structure of worship services that, you know, we have songs that are unique to the week. Uh, they they try to match the readings and themes there. And, you know, that's part of Olivia's work. Uh, but also we have things that just repeat week in and week out and in the liturgy that we sing or some of the, you know, the, the hymn of praise or the sort of thing that's just, it's just there week in and week out. And those words are true as well. And so it's neat that you'll sing stuff that's proper for the day, you know, proper for the readings that, you know, to match. And there are things that we'll just sing that, uh, you know, every week we'll sing the Holy, 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 or the Lamb of God, you take away the sins of the world. And, and, the, and these words are true no matter when they're coming forth from our lips, no matter what's happened within our lives. And we can take great comfort in that. And so there's a, there's a cool, uh, I don't know what it is, constancy of the liturgy, but also just the, the uniqueness of the liturgy each week too. Yeah, and these these words, these songs are are forming us, right? Like as God's people to then go out that week and live virtuous lives and trust in him when we fall short. Well, very good. Well, this wraps up our episode for today. Thank you for listening to our discussion. I know we had fun talking about the readings and about the sermon. Um, in case you missed the sermon or you'd like to listen to it again, the link to the sermons in the show notes, and you can also find it on our church website, stjohndublin.org. If you, the listener, would like to submit a question about a sermon, we love these questions when they come in, please email us at podcast at stjohndublin.org. Thank you, Pastor, for joining me and for feeding us the word this week. Thanks, Deaconess. You have a good one. You too. Take care. Bye. Bye.